Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, for, for being able to share it this morning. We thank you because we know that you're going to speak to us through it. We ask, O Lord, that you'll open our spirits and our minds and our hearts to receive your word as it is proclaimed. Help us, O Lord, to know how to apply it to our lives and how it can grow us in faith. We just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We all know this scripture, right? Anybody not heard this scripture before? If you've been in church for two minutes, you've heard this scripture, right? We know that it's the Great Commission. It is when Jesus essentially charged his disciples with the responsibility of sharing the good news of the gospel with everybody all over the world, to all the nations, to all the peoples, that they were to go out. And the scripture tells us that all power and all authority was his. Jesus had all the power, all the authority to be able to send them out because he was the son of God and he had been resurrected from the dead. He had already defeated death. He had already appeared to many people showing that his resurrection was real and he was getting ready to return to the father. And so with that authority that he has been given by God the Father, he turns to his disciples who he's gathered at the mountain and he says, go, go, go. Go therefore and take action. Go therefore and make disciples. Go to all the nations. Go to everyone. The word go is really important here because it means that they just couldn't stay static. They couldn't just stay where they were. The word go means that you have to leave your comfort zone. They had to leave the safety of the, the, the places where they had been behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. They had to leave their hometowns to go to other places to proclaim the good news of the gospel. They had to leave their old ways. They had to leave old habits. They had to go to people that they might not even like because they needed to go to all people to share the good news of the gospel. Now, some people like to go. My son likes to go. As long as you put him in a car and drive him around, he's happy. You say we can hire an Uber driver and he'll be happy. But this is not just go. This is go with a purpose. This is a go with a destination. This is go with a plan. 
God was sending them out through Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to instruct them to do everything that Jesus had taught them. It was to form people in the faith, baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to understand the the understanding of baptism early on in the church. When someone in a household that was head of household became Christian, they would baptize the whole household from the youngest to the oldest, from the servant to the master. Everybody in the household would be baptized as a sign that salvation had entered that household and that it was available to all. And it was really important because there would be people in that household, servants and slaves, that were receiving the grace of God. They were receiving salvation through that person that had received the gospel in the household. And then came the important task of instructing them in the faith, learning about Jesus, learning about what it is that they had been baptized into, and learning what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. From early on, instruction in the faith was crucial. People needed to know what it meant to be a follower of Jesus if their conversion was going to be real and meaningful. So the disciples were told, you're going to go and make disciples. You're going to make more students of Jesus, more people that want to learn about his stories, more people that want to learn about his miracles, more people that want to learn about what he came and taught us about, more people that want to experience God's goodness and grace through him, more people that want their sins washed away and forgiven through his sacrifice. You're going to make disciples, and you're going to do it of all nations. Jesus was telling them, that if they followed these instructions, they would be handing down the gospel to other people and that these new people would be receiving it and becoming students of Jesus. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 basically established a chain of custody for the gospel message. If you know about chain of custody, it is a process used to track the movement and control of an asset through its life cycle by documenting each person and or organization who handles the asset, the date, the time it was collected or transferred, and the purpose for the transfer. What that means is that chain of custody has to do with who had it originally and how many hands or how many people handled it and passed it along down the line. We know about chain of custody from legal proceedings, right? Somebody goes to a crime scene and there's a collection of evidence. And we've all seen enough crime shows to know that they put those little tent numbers on them, right? And take a picture. And they put little measuring tapes next to things so that they can show what the scale was. And then those things are put, what? In a little evidence bag and they're sealed so that they will not be tampered with, right? And if they have to be tested and brought out of the bag for any reason, the person doing that has to sign off that they did it and their name has to be recorded. And when they did it, what was the purpose of removing the evidence from the bag? 
And chain of custody tracks the evidence from the moment of the event all the way to the trial. When you actually show up in trial, you have to be able to prove that there was a chain of custody unbroken, that everybody along the way could be trusted with the evidence and had a right to hold it and to use it for the purpose of the case. When Jesus met his disciples on that mountain, he had already begun a chain of custody for the gospel message. Disciples had already gone to the tomb and experienced that it was empty. They had already seen the linens rolled up where Jesus' body used to lay. They had already examined the scene and declared that he was not there and he was not to be found in the tomb. Jesus had already appeared to disciples on multiple locations. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus had appeared to over 500 brothers. I don't know about you, but if you've got a case where you have 500 witnesses, you won. That's a lot of people, right? You've got enough evidence with 500 witnesses to prove your case. Jesus had established a case for the reality of his resurrection, for the fact that he had defeated death, and for what he had come to do on the cross. And now Jesus stood on the mountain with his disciples, giving them the authority to share what they had experienced with others. He was basically handing the gospel to them and saying, I'm going back to the Father. Now it's up to you to carry forward the evidence of my resurrection, to tell the stories of my miracles, to tell people that there's salvation in me and that they can have my righteousness if they will accept me in their hearts. He was sending them out with a purpose and a plan of making disciples and making them from all the nations. Paul wrote it this way. He said, I handed to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. What was Paul saying? He was saying, I didn't invent the gospel. I'm not the origin of the gospel. I'm not even the first generation of people that handled the evidence of the gospel. He even said, I'm the least of the apostles. Why? Because he knew that there was others that had come before him, those that were there on the mountain with Jesus that had been entrusted with the gospel and told to go to every nation to make disciples for Jesus Christ. They had received the evidence and they had been called to share it. So how do we understand the chain of custody of the gospel? Because it's actually very direct. Unlike some of the criminal cases where you see the chain of custody look more like a, a jigsaw puzzle of going everywhere and all places and all this mess back and forth, chain of custody for the gospel is really simple. It goes Jesus, disciple, 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 disciple. Disciple, 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 etc. us. That is the chain of custody of the gospel in our lives. Somebody took seriously the charge of Matthew 28, 
of teaching somebody about the gospel of Jesus and not only telling them that, but saying, and by the way, Jesus said that it was now your responsibility to continue to share the gospel and instruct somebody else in what you have learned. And when that was passed down, the instruction of making disciples was passed down. When we received Jesus, we were given the same instruction, authority, and mandate, go and make disciples of Jesus Christ, of all the nations. It's a charge that you and I have, whether we realize it or not. And the gospel comes with the authority of Jesus and the promise that when we go out to share the gospel, we don't do so alone. Jesus says, I'll be with you until the end of the age. And how did he do that? He sent us the Holy Spirit to be with us in this process as we go out to share the gospel. I want to tell you that you are here today because somebody received the gospel of Jesus Christ and took seriously the responsibility of passing it along to somebody else. You're here today because somebody told you about their experience with Jesus, shared with you, witnessed to you, showed you in their own lives how they were living differently because of Jesus and because they took seriously the responsibility of being part of the chain of custody for the gospel. You receive salvation in Jesus Christ. I don't want you to underestimate your importance and your position as a witness of Jesus Christ because you are part of the chain of custody of the gospel right now. You are here because you have been entrusted with the word of God and the message of Jesus. You are here because you have been given the charge to go and make disciples. You are here because you have been learning about the stories of Jesus so you can share them with others. And your testimony matters. Your life matters. Because somebody will learn about Jesus because of you. Somebody, when you show up to heaven, will come up to you and thank you that you were Jesus to them at some point in their lives. That is, if you go and if you make disciples of the whole world. There are still people out there that are unconvinced that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of the world. Now, you would think after all the evidence we have of Jesus, the fact that there are historical Records that show that there was a Jesus who died in a cross in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago, that his followers saw him after a resurrection, that there was over 500 witnesses in those days after his resurrection that said that they saw him and experienced him, that you would think that with all that evidence, people would go, oh, of course there was Jesus, and of course he's the Son of God. Duh, it's so obvious. But there are still people today that don't trust that Jesus is really the Savior of the world. 
And it's because they don't have an identifiable person often that has given them a personal piece of evidence that shows them that Jesus really is the Savior of the world. In legal cases, an identifiable person must always have the physical custody of a piece of evidence and document how it was handled, stored, and transmitted. They have to be able to say how they got it. They have to be able to say how they secured it. And they have to be able to say how they transmitted it to, to the next person. When it comes to Christian chain of custody, people want to know how you came to Jesus. They want to know how you felt the assurance of your salvation from the Holy Spirit. And they want to know how you have committed your life to sharing it with somebody else. They're saying, if it's really that good, how are you sharing it? If it's really worthwhile, how are you invested in it? If it's really something that you want the whole world to hear about, why are you not screaming it from the mountaintops? People want to know that it's a trustworthy message that it's real, and they want an identifiable person, that is you, to identify as a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ so that they can see Christ in you. They want to know that you really walk with the resurrected Jesus. And they want to know that he has made a difference in your life. Have you ever heard somebody go, eh, and that one's a Christian. That's an indication your witness is not doing too good. If people think that Jesus has not made a difference in your life, if people don't see the love of Jesus in the way you act and you treat them and you share with them, if they're not able to experience the graciousness of God and that you yourself have received, then you need to examine how you're following Jesus, and how you're being a disciple of Jesus Christ. People really want to know that Jesus is real to you and that he's made a difference. Today, Jesus has called us to his mountain. He has called us to give us authority to cast out fear, cast out doubt, to remind us that we have power in his name, to go forth and share his message, to remind us that he has promised to be with us until the end of the age, so it means that we are never out there on an island by ourselves. And he has called us to remind us that he is counting on us to reach the end of the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. The testimony of how he lives in us and the story of the difference that he has made is the way we transmit this gospel to somebody else. How will they know if nobody tells them? How will they know if nobody explains the gospel? I want to tell you that in chain of custody, there is no anonymity. Everybody who handles the evidence has to put their name to the evidence. They have to put skin in the game. 
They have to identify themselves and the time they handled it. And they have to be specific because people don't want to deal in generalities. When it comes to Christian witness, it's the same. People want to know that you're vulnerable and not perfect. They want to know that you are saved by grace and forgiven of your sins, but that it doesn't mean that you don't struggle with it. They want to know that Jesus is your supply, but that you also go through times of need and times you have to call out to him. When Jesus went up on that mountain, Scripture tells us some of the disciples doubted. Some of them worshiped, but some of them doubted. And even after they doubted, Jesus still gave them the commission to share the gospel message. And what that tells me is that even if we doubt ourselves, Jesus does not doubt us. Jesus believes in you, and he believes in me. He believes in his ability to do greater things that we could ever do by ourselves. And despite there being doubt, God can still use us to pass on the gospel message to those who have not received it. You know, sometimes we forget that having God is all we need. You know, we make it real complicated. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism on his deathbed, was quoted as saying, the best of all is that God is with us. What he was saying is when God is with us, all the other stuff gets added on and taken care of in one way or another. God is with us. That's all you need to go forward and to make disciples and to continue the chain of custody and to continue to expand the kingdom. It's all you need to make disciples. It's all you need to teach. It's all you need to baptize. It's all you need. Jesus is all you need. All you have to do is share him. The challenge today is to go. Go and make disciples. Don't remain in your comfort zone. Teach them to be a part of the chain of custody of the good news by inviting them to salvation in Christ. And when you do that, you will add more to the number who will see you in heaven one day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for trusting us with your good news. I thank you for calling us to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of this world. I thank you, Lord, because I know that you have called each and every one of us to go to go wherever we are sent, to share the good news of the gospel with those who have not received it yet. Help us, O oh Lord, to be a good witness to our neighbors, to our friends, but even to those who we might not get along with, even those who we might not like, even those who might not like us. We just pray, Lord, that you will help us to continue this chain of custody of the gospel that more and more people will be added to those who are being saved. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
The altar is always open if you need to reassure yourself of your sending out by the Holy Spirit of God. Let us worship.